This season of the Mumbrig podcast is brought to you by Bathorium, Canada's favorite clean and green beauty bath products. They make all natural bath bombs, bath soaks, bubble baths, and accessories with no artificial fragrances or toxins. And they're vegan and ethically produced. To get 15% off, go to mumbrig.ca slash bath. Welcome to the Mumbrig podcast a place where you can feel normal, get helpful information, and laugh your ass off. Hopefully without peeing your pants. I'm your host, Erica, and I have two kiddos. I am not a mom expert, but I do have a zillion hours of therapy under my belt and no filter. I'm on my own journey to find happiness, and I want to help you on the way to yours. So you started the page basically when the pandemic hit. Yeah. When it hit in, so I started on my birthday, March 13th. I was like, this, this is, we're going to do it. I'm not going to make any more excuses. We're going to do it, right? Three days later, um, the world shut down. Because before that, we were thinking like, oh, we'll be fine. Like, we're not going to be the country that shuts down. We're America. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, you guys are getting it. It's like, no, like everyone had to go home, shut down. So I had started this brand new project and I was like, well, I committed to it. I guess I just got to keep going and run with it. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I can't imagine. Yeah. It's just, I can't imagine how stressful that would be for you to mm-hmm. like, especially in the space you're given, you're in, in the space of like self-care, you're helping others, you're putting yourself out there and putting your emotional energy into helping others. Yeah. So even I think of for me, the amount of questions and support I get in DMs or comments, like that takes emotional energy and time to answer. And you're getting probably much more, I'm getting like, hey, my kid pooped in their pants, right? Like, <laughs> like okay, cool. <laughs> okay, I'm not probably trained expert, but you're getting like real, probably serious life altering questions. That's a yeah. lot. Yeah, and you do have to have boundaries around that. Like, I don't think that people who... Um, have not solidified their boundaries around how they interact with social media. I don't know if they would would do well. Now, it took me some time to get to that, right? Because I went from not having, I didn't even um, log onto my personal page much at all before even starting this page. So I went from zero to just blast off, right? So I quickly had to learn, oh, I have to put in some boundaries around this. Like, you know, um, sometimes I will respond to folks and will always refer them, you know, talk to your doctor, find a therapist in your area. There are things that I can't share with you or talk to you about because I don't know your personal situation. Um, but it is, it's, it's, it's a hard place to be in because you do want to help and you do want to provide um, the sense of like, someone is listening to me because that's, especially in 2020, we just needed to know that we were not in this rut by ourselves, you know, that there was some sense of community. And um, yeah, so that, that I had to learn very quickly that I cannot be all things for all people. I have to have my boundaries. I have to remain within my emotional capacity or it'll burn me out. And I won't be able to do anything that, that I want to do, you know, and that goes for myself, for my family, you know, for my, my private practice clients, you know, you know, so yeah, I had to get those boundaries very quickly. How did you figure out what those looked like for you? Cause I know they're very different for everybody, but what mm-hmm. sort of process did you go through to figure out this is what I need 
for me to be able to operate effectively. Cause I think that's mine have constantly been evolving and changing, but it's still hard because then, you know, something happens, this happens, things change. You know, you go from having the kids in school to not having the kids in school, things change. Yeah. I'm curious what you've done. Yeah. So as far as um, Instagram, I, it started off posting every single day, every single day, seven days a week, just posting always on the, always on there, got burnt out from that very quickly. So I decided that, um, I was not going to post every day. Some days I would just, you would just see me in stories. Um, and I would just kind of do a check-in. And then recently, um, I've decided that I'm not going to post five days a week. And I know that, you know, if you're on, if you use, Instagram for business or to encourage people, you know that there's a such thing as the algorithm monster that is always haunting. But you know what? I think <laughs> that, um, again, my emotional capacity is worth way more than the algorithm. And I have this belief that I am not the only one that can encourage people. I am not the only one that, that houses all of the good information and support for people. And if they can find that in other avenues while I remove myself to take care of myself, I'm cool with that. So I try to post four times a week and then show up in my stories. Um, and I also have boundaries around what time of day I get on. And so I have like a little um, reminder on my phone. It's like, girl, put that phone down. <laughs> Log off of Instagram, okay? Um, they will be there when you finish eating, right? Or they'll be there once you finish sending that email. So, um, and I've had to follow through, exactly, right? So I've had to follow through with that because sometimes we'll say like, I'm spending too much time doing X, Y, and Z. We recognize that that's what we need to do, but we don't follow through with the plan that helps us, um, you know, uphold our boundaries. So setting the alarm has helped me do that. Yeah, I think that's the hardest part, right? I think so often, I mean, not all the time, but so often we at a high level know what we need, but mm -hmm. the follow through is that, like for Instagram, for me, I, I mean, I've had to set every possible app, tool, boundary, I've got my <laughs> husband to lock my phone and keep the password. I am a sneaky, resourceful person if I need to be. <laughs> Absolutely. But it's hard. Um, it is hard. So hard. That's great. So for the boundaries piece, then it's really like the, I'm noticing that you just get to the point where you realize it's too much and then you scale back to a place where you feel comfortable essentially. Yeah. When I am kind of mindlessly scrolling or mindlessly watching other people's stories and I've looked up and it's like, you know, an hour later or something like that, or checking in with my physical body, right? When my shoulders start to rise up or my heart is beating faster because I'm reading comments or, you know, headlines or anything like that. Um, that's a good indicator to me. Like your body is telling you it's enough. Your mind is telling you it's enough. Are you going to listen? And sometimes, you know, I don't always listen, but <laughs> creating a practice to where I do recognize that and listen. Yeah, that has been helpful. I love that. It's so funny because I just read a book the other day and one of the things they said, which really sort of shocked me from a physical perspective, how much digital, the digital world is affecting us just from the pure example of 
thinking like let's say 50 years ago how people walk down the street their posture their mm -hmm. body they had heads up looking around the world looking to see who was there looking for stranger danger whatever yeah. but now we're looking down at our phones which then not only limits us to what's happening around us but also which shocked me was thinking about the actual physical um, mechanical perspective of what it's doing to your body because your neck is looking down, your shoulders are arched, your posture is crap. And as moms, I mean, our posture is already crap. Anyways, we're holding exactly. humans. <laughs> exactly. Oh man. So it's, it's funny. Cause I, I, I had never thought of it from that perspective. It's like, Hey, maybe this is why my shoulders are always sore. Maybe this is why, right? Maybe this is why I have neck issues. Maybe this is why, right. And you talk about mindfulness, which is what, you know, as therapists teach and preach about mindfulness is it's in the everyday actions of being aware of our surroundings, right? And, and like you said, the digital world and technology, while I am so grateful for it, um, it does sometimes put us in a box when it comes to being mindful in our present moment. Like I can think, I'm not proud of these moments, but I can think about like sitting in traffic and like going to my phone and my foot is like easing up off of the brake and I'm like, oh my gosh, right? So we're not even aware of driving. So focused on checking a text message or scrolling Instagram. Um, and again, I'm not proud of those moments, but you know, it's like we have to be able to put ourselves in a practice of mindfulness, even in the smallest ways, and especially in the ways um, when it comes to technology and having boundaries around that. It's so hard because, so what are you, like, do you have any sort of high level tips you talk to mindfulness about your private practice clients or even some of your membership students or whatnot? Because one of the things I've noticed now with my digital detox is how much before I stopped using social media, I found it was incredibly hard to focus on a single task at once and for long periods of time. Uh, mm -hmm. Now I'm, I'm just starting to retrain my brain to actually sit down and focus on something. Mm -hmm. But mindfulness, it, it was actually felt like there was this, with the digital world, roadblock to me getting there. So how can people start to you know, sit down and focus and enjoy the moments? Because I, I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, yeah. So the reason why that happens, I believe, is because when you're scrolling social media and or or you know blogs or Pinterest, YouTube, whatever it is that you're scrolling, your mind is having to work so hard to process all of this information. So it's literally jumping from sentence to sentence, from picture to picture, trying to take in all of this information that your eyes are seeing. When you're able to kind of practice mindfulness, creating an environment that kind of blocks out those distractions. So putting your phone in the other room or um, doing things like creating a safe place or something like that in your home. And for me, sometimes that's my closet. <laughs> it's the only place where it's super quiet, right? So sometimes that's my closet. Sometimes that's a corner in my room where I know there's nothing there but a notebook and a pencil or you know, a notebook and a pen or some, you know, something that will help me focus. That is that dedicated space. That is that dedicated um, environment that I can go to for that. And again, you know, trying your best to limit. If you are scrolling, you know, maybe do that for five minutes and check in. How do I feel about this? You know, do I feel better after scrolling or worse? Um, checking in with your, your body even about that and listening as we talked about earlier. 
but really just that environment. Like when we talk about, um, you know, the bedroom is for sleep and sex, that's it. But how often do we take our work to the bedroom? Do we, you know, have all these other things that happen there? Um, but if that really truly was a place just for sleep, it would be more helpful for us to be mindful about, all right, it's time to calm down. It's time to wind down and get into the bed, right? Um, so I think just kind of sectioning off your room, sectioning off your day into blocks to say, this is what this hour is for. And I'm committed to being mindful about carrying that out. I love, I love that. Cause I've, I recently, well, not recently, about six, seven months ago, I took the TV out of our bedroom because everyone says bedroom is for sleep and sex. Yes. And I got to the point where I didn't know what else to do. My sleep was staggered. I was having a really hard time winding down, but I was just exhausted and I needed to decompress. So I had a fight with my husband. I was like, no, this is my breaking point. This TV is getting out. We're trying it. And if it's horrible, you can have it back. I don't care. Yeah. But it has been the best six months. I've never slept better. We've had way more sex than ever before. It's just, yeah. I've been able to decompress and fall asleep more easily, yeah. but it's, to your point, like it's, it's a sectioned off. I love that idea. Yes. It's just, yeah. It's a section off. And I even tell, I would even tell my clients things like, um, you know, when it comes to like journaling or, you know, if I assign them homework or, you know, they're kind of doing this deeper work, like, is there a picture in your house that will remind you to check in? Is there a candle? Is there a quote that you can put up in your house that when you look at it, you're like, yeah, okay, I hear you, you know? Like even things like that, that you can just like set yourself up for success, set yourself up for success in your house and do small little things like that that will encourage your, your own version of mindfulness. I love that so much. And I'm sorry, I took you on a bit of a tangent because we started talking and I just clicked record and all the things you said were so wonderful. Uh, <laughs> I didn't give you the opportunity to introduce yourself. So maybe we can just kind of take a few steps back and I want people to hear about sort of you, how wonderful you are. I know you have a really cool story about your kiddos who are just, I mean, I just so close together. <laughs> your yes. journey into motherhood. Um, maybe let people know a little bit about you. Yes. So um, I'm Chastity. <laughs> I am a mama of two little girls. They are 13 months apart. So, and I always tell this, when the oldest was four months, I was pregnant with the other one. So back to back, my body, my mind, and my routine, nothing had an opportunity to recuperate <laughs> between having those girls back to back. But I love them. And I love um, being able to mother them in this way. Um, I also am a therapist. I um, see clients in all over Texas, really, because my practice is all online, even pre and post COVID. I find that that is helpful for moms to really be able to have the accessibility of that. Um, and then I also am the founder of Mom For You Academy, which is my online membership to help moms really kind of reclaim their identity and start to love themselves and be good at being them. Cause sometimes we can be really good at being moms and we suck at being ourselves. So um, those things, those are my, my purpose, my passion. And I love being able to provide information and support via Instagram. Um, I just started a YouTube channel too. And so, yeah, I 
my journey into motherhood is really what sparked all of the things that I just talked about because um, of course I was a therapist before then and I knew, you know, there's, there's a such thing about, you know, moms becoming moms and the struggles and, you know, okay, sure. But until you experience it, <laughs> nothing, you don't get it, right? It doesn't quite sink in. Um, it, it sunk in for me when I became a mom very quickly. And so I realized that there was way, there was so much more behind the veil of motherhood that a lot of people don't talk about or don't feel comfortable discussing out loud because of fear of judgment or um, you know, for looking bad or weak, things like that. And I said, well, I don't think I'm okay with that. I think I wanna find my little corner of the world and figure out uh, how to help and support uh, moms in that way. So yeah, and, and so the journey starts and continues with that. I love that so much. And I think well, I had originally um, invited you on here to talk about self-care and yeah. you, um, after that happened, released your own podcast episode on your own podcast about mm-hmm. sort of self-care reimagined and you have workshops and whatnot on that. But I think the, the way you described self-care in your podcast episode to me was unlike anything I'd heard anyone describe it as because I don't know about you, but I've seen so much online about how, and I'll let you describe how you think about it, but I just want to sort of express first what I've seen online, the push for both the push for self-care and also the push for self-care to be more than the baseline basics of necessity. So you see posts about self-care shouldn't be showers, self-care shouldn't be drinking water, eating food. And I really struggled with that movement. Um, because I, the way that I perceive self-care is that it can be on a spectrum of, uh, it's, it's a spectrum, right? And you're the first person I've heard to, to describe it in a way that made sense. So I would love for you to talk about, I, I, again, I don't want to spoil anything, but how you view that spectrum. Yeah, no, 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 we won't be spoiling anything. I think that um, just like you said, I've heard people kind of rally around this treat yourself, but not on the basic level. Treat yourself with a manicure, a pedicure, this type of purse, this you know fancy car, this vacation, that is treating yourself, that is taking care of yourself. And when you are a new mom or you're a mom of young children, it's not always special, right? Self-care is not always this special glamorized thing, it does evolve and is on the spectrum, right? So you have basic self-care, which is the ability to take care and meet your basic needs. Showering, eating, sleeping, right? Those things that are fundamental to our being. We have to eat, we have to sleep. We're designed to do those things. And when you're telling a new mom, showering is not taking care of yourself. When she can't even shower, then of course these other luxury items that you're mentioning is like, well, I, of course I can't do that because I can't even brush my teeth. So then that invokes shame, Yeah. right? Yeah. You feel ashamed because I know I should be taking care of myself. I want to do it, but I can't. There must be something wrong with me because other people, other moms are doing this. But when you break it down and say, no, 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 mama, you actually are taking care of yourself right where you are in this moment, in this season of life, that's where you are in that spectrum. 
Then maybe as your kids get a little older, when they have a little bit more independence, when you get a little bit more support, then you can transition to the more leisure side of self-care. You're able to find those pockets of time where you can do things that you enjoy. You're able to spend a little bit more time taking a bath. You're able to, um, you know, watch these movies that actually truly bring up happiness and joy for you and do activities, right? That remind you of who you are and what you want out of life, right? when you're able to do those things, it's like, okay, this feels good to me. And again, it doesn't have to be elaborate. It could be 15, 10 minutes of exercising, journaling, talking to a friend, walking, coloring, whatever your creative outlet is, whatever it is that you think, you know, brings you joy, that, that goes there, right? And then you can transition over to luxury. That side of self-care is what we talked about earlier, like the vacations and the hours away from your kiddos, those things that require more time, more energy, more effort, more support and preparation. Um, Because again, if you're telling a new mom that she needs to go out and walk around Target for three hours, (laughs) how if she's breastfeeding, right? Or how if she doesn't have the support to watch the kiddos, you know? So it is on a spectrum. And yes, we can bounce from one side of that spectrum at any given day, right? There might be seasons in your life where you're like, I do not have the energy to do X, Y, and Z. Today, I can only focus on my basic needs. And that is getting four to five consecutive hours of sleep, which can be very hard (laughs) um, a lot of times in momhood, right? Um, I'm only going to focus on eating a full meal, which sounds very, very... um, It sounds very basic, like duh, but how many times do we just like snack on things because we're so in the mix of doing things for our kids or other people and we forget about our taking care of ourselves in that way. So yeah, I do not like that whole movement that is like in order to take care of yourself, it has to be a special treat. No, it doesn't. Sometimes it's basic and that is okay. It's okay. I... It's, it's so wonderfully explained and it, it so perfectly describes, I think, the nuance changes of motherhood. Mm-hmm. And when you said at the beginning that this movement of, you know, only these big luxurious items are self-care, it does invoke shame. Because I remember when I saw a fir- the first few people share posts being like, shower is not self-care, it's a basic human right. Like, let's go back to the definition of self-care. It, it, it's about protecting our own health and well-being in times of stress. That can mean any number of things to any different people. And where I sit in my life in Canada as a mom of two with kids who are two and five is going to be extremely different than someone on the other side of the world in a totally different set of situations. Yeah. So it's crazy to me that you know, eating, like showering, eating, if that is technically self-care, it's just a different level of it. That's right. That's right. And we have to, we have to kind of combat all of these messages that society, motherhood culture, sometimes even our own caregivers, right, have placed on us. We have to actively and practice shoving those belief systems away from us because they're they're always bombarding us. They're always going to continue, right? Because these are businesses, they want you to buy their products so that you can treat yourself. Um, But you have to be in a place that says, 
what do I need? Like, what do I actually need right now in this moment? Then how can I figure out how to get that thing? What type of support do I need? What type of time or energy do I need to meet that need? Here's my plan to do that, right? Versus, oh, I'm going to look on Pinterest and see what they say, new moms, how new moms should take care of themselves. I'm going to go to YouTube or whatever, right? Like check in with yourself because oftentimes we will, we'll look out to external resources to tell us about ourselves. We have the answers. If only we could dare to listen, right? So, yeah. It, it was just, I think, and I remember exactly where I was, <laughs> the irony of it. I was in the Starbucks drive-through treating myself, listening yep. <laughs> to your voice in my ear. And it was just, it was so, it was such an important message. And I hope that, um, especially like, as opposed to looking externally to what other people are doing, looking into yourself and checking in mm -hmm. is something yeah. that we constantly have to work towards because people are finding new and creative ways to hack into our world with information. Yeah, yeah, they are. And it's enticing because we do want the luxury side of self-care. It looks good. It looks like it smells good and we want it, right? We want to be a part of it because, um, Sometimes we think that will bring us joy. Sometimes we think that will bring, bring us peace. And that's what we want, right? We want a peaceful, joyful life where we feel connected to ourselves, where we feel connected to our purpose and we feel good and, and like we're enjoying things. Um, and so it is easy for us to look at that, that side of the spectrum and say, I want that, I really do. But if we can check in, right? And, and also know eventually we'll get there. We'll get that. I remember um, having the youngest. She was a very, <laughs> she was not colicky, but she knew what she wanted and she was not afraid to scream and let you know, okay? Um, and she, 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 for a lot of her infant, infant uh, phase, she only wanted her mom. She only wanted mama and, you know, that was it. So I would, be scrolling or look at these things like how in the world are you supposed to manage a toddler and a baby and take care of yourself in the process and again looking at those messages um but I wish I had a let it sink in it's okay that you're not there yet you'll get there right you'll get there yeah I think that that's such an important message because especially I mean you weren't a new mom you were a mom of a you, you were a second time mom but really to, I'm sure to you it's just this one big blur of new mother <laughs> yep one big blow right so it's you're in this state of physical exhaustion actually you know what i would love i don't know i'm just gonna put you on the spot but <laughs> i was looking at a list of um like physiological symptoms of exhaustion mm -hmm. and I, I don't think that we realize actually i'll go back i had i was at um hanging out with people back when you could and one of my husband's friends, I saw that I was clearly tired, new mom with a newborn. And he looked at me and he said, Erica, you do realize that sleep deprivation is legitimately a form of torture used in the world. Mm -hmm. And until I heard it from that perspective, it didn't occur to me how much it was affecting, my, affecting me physiologically. 
So I would love if you could just rattle off a few of the symptoms while I put you on the spot because this is not. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. It, it, sleep is very important. And here's why. Our sleep allows us to process what happened throughout the day. It helps us process our, our all of the information that we took in. It helps us rejuvenate our cells. It helps us um, basic, it's basically like a restart. If you've ever had like an older computer where um, it's just on and it starts to like hum and get hot because it's like I've been working all day and I haven't had a restart or a button, right? Um, that's how our bodies and our minds are if we don't ever take a break, pause it and restart. It's just going to keep humming, get hot and eventually um, shut down. Um, the body, when we are burnt out or experience um, a lot of exhaustion, it can, it can mimic a lot of symptoms of depression because you might feel like you literally cannot get out of the bed. You literally can't brush your teeth. You literally can't get dressed, right? Those kind of symptoms of you feel paralyzed, um, that can be mimicked when we experience burnout um, and or physical exhaustion. And sleep deprivation is the ultimate burnout <laughs> because we don't have, we're not allowing that space for our body and mind to pause and restart, which is so necessary for basic thinking, basic functioning of our limbs, of our breathing, all of that stuff, right? It, it's a very basic thing. I mean, it's a, it's a reason why we need sleep and why it's so important for our babies to get sleep. And they do so much of it because they grow. The data that they collect throughout the day, the brain is like, okay, today we learned that light comes out at seven o'clock. So <laughs> if they never were getting a lot of sleep to process that, it will be really foggy. They'll be really cranky. So will we. So will we. Yeah, that's uh, the crankies are a real thing in this house. This I, I'm curious, you said that um, a lack of sleep can mimic depression and the symptoms of depression. So how from like a therapist perspective, do you then identify the difference or is there a difference mm -hmm. between the mimic symptoms of depression and like a full-blown postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety because it's sort of it's a delicate stage where it's so intertwined right like yeah. timing wise mm -hmm. to me and I'm looking back and thinking on my own experience I'm like was I just sleep deprived or was I like actually struggling from postpartum depression or is it some mixture of both sure 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 I would say when you start to kind of notice those depressive or anxiety symptoms, you're more anxious, you feel this kind of um, on edge as far as anxiety or depression wise, you don't feel like getting out of the bed. Every small thing seems like a big thing and it, it, it feels very paralyzing. When you start to recognize that, I would do an assessment. So right, you evaluate, have I eaten enough? Have I gotten enough consecutive hours of sleep? Preferably four to five consecutive hours of sleep. Am I getting the support that I need? Once you identify and assess that, if those are like, nope, 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 then figuring out a way to get those things met, reaching out to your doctor, reaching out to your partner, your family, whatever, whoever can chip in to help. And you see that your mood is shifted, even if it's a little bit after doing those things, then it might be that you need more sleep, right? Or it was just that your basic level needs were not being met. 
Now, if you do that assessment and you start to put those things into action and you still feel that paralyzing feeling, you still feel that I'm on edge, you're still having these intrusive thoughts, something bad is gonna happen to me or my baby. And it's, make, it's, it's, it's um, stopping me in my tracks and making me feel like um, I have to do all of these things in order to prevent those bad things from happening. That would be a good indicator that you need to consult with a therapist, consult with a psychiatrist, a doctor, someone on a professional level can do a little bit more digging and find the support that you need that way. But yeah, they can parallel a lot, but the, but the difference would be if you start to meet those basic level needs, um, does, do your symptoms adjust? And if not, then seeking support from there. I wanna take a quick minute for this season's podcast sponsor, Bathorium. I was so excited when they agreed to sign up to be this season's podcast sponsor because I have been a huge fan since COVID started. And even more interestingly, I wasn't a bath fan <laughs> before I started using their products. I didn't like the idea of having to sit still and take a bath. And now through COVID, it is the only time that I can, and only way that I find I'm able to decompress and take a moment to myself. My favorite are the bath soaks. They're so, so wonderful. And I get out feeling smooth and relaxed and amazing. And they've decided to give you guys 15% off on everything on their website. All you need to do to get the code and get access to that discount is go to mumbreak.ca slash bath. I'm super excited to support this Canadian company who make all of their vegan and ethically produced products in Canada. I even love talking to the marketing manager who's an Ottawa mom, who is a wonderful human being. So super excited about this podcast sponsor. Go check out their stuff, mumbreak.ca slash bath to get 15% off. I, I mean, I've heard about doing a self-care idea bank. Um, there, there's so many tips of what types of self-care you can do, but I think really what I struggled with a while ago, and even still the irony of, you know, the blog is mom break. I, it's something I'm actually good at compared to, you know, probably the greater population, but it's still hard. So those implementation and actually doing them without guilt. How do you talk to people and your clients about that? First, recognize the root cause of where that guilt is coming from. So inherently, guilt is not a bad thing, right? Guilt helps us stay in check with our values. And so there are moments where, where guilt kick, kicks in and it's like, okay, maybe that's like an indicator that I need to connect to my values. So, you know, and this is more so for, uh, for parents or moms who don't exactly know what the, I want to say right, but the way that they want to do things, but they haven't kind of been taught how to do those things. Maybe something comes in and says, hey, you were not shown how to play with your kids in this way, but you're learning. And this is how we spend a little bit more time with them. That does not mean though, that all of the time and all of the resources on all of the energy has to go into that. So guilt can be used as an indicator to check in with your values. Guilt can also be used as a derivative of negative beliefs by how self-care was um, demonstrated by your caregivers. 
um, what motherhood culture says about self-care. You're selfish if you do it. Um, you're weak if you do it, all those types of things. Um, how your work demonstrates taking care of yourself and, and having you know this kind of balance between life and work. All, and all of those things, right? Those beliefs about what we think about, what it means to take care of ourselves, that can come up if we have those beliefs there. So recognize where that guilt is coming from. Is it a guilt that's tied to your values? If so, okay, how can we make some adjustments? Or is it a guilt that's, that's stemmed and rooted in negative beliefs? If it's the latter, um, coming up with a way to do that self-care even while you have those thoughts that this, you know, that you should feel guilty about it. And what I mean by that is um, not allowing guilt to hold you in your tracks, right? Because for 99% of the people, the moms that I talk to about guilt and self-care, it's 100% 100 belief-based, negative belief-based, right? I'm selfish, I'm weak, I shouldn't be this whiny, I'm asking for too much. Um, and so for that, it's like, you might still hear some of those messages from guilt trying to lure you back in and say, hey, don't do it because they're gonna think you're a bad mom, right? And so you might still hear those things until you uproot that negative belief and put in a positive one. So I encourage moms to keep practicing, hear that voice, recognize where it's coming from and move through that discomfort of feeling guilty by doing it anyway. Because in your action, in your doing, you're telling guilt, actually, no, this does align to my value. Because one of my values is that I show up my best. And showing up my best can only come from me taking care of myself. This is how I'm going to take care of myself. It's by having alone time. So actually, this self-care aligns exactly with my values. I'm going to go have some alone time. Guilt is like, are you sure about that? Your kids are waiting for you in the living room. Are you sure? And you say, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. Right? You're, you're still doing it even though you hear it. And what happens over time is the voice of guilt gets, you know, that volume turns down dimmer and dimmer. And your needs become louder and louder. And you're able to meet them. Right? So we're not, I'm not going to tell you that guilt is not ever going to pop up again. Um, but I'm gonna tell you that you have the power to not believe that guilt is true, to not believe that it's coming from a place of, um, of, of even reality, right? That it could be coming from a place of negative beliefs that are not serving you well. So do it anyway, do it anyway. Oh my God. <laughs> Everything you say speaks to me. I think that scenario <laughs> you just described is exactly my experience, like word for word with mom guilt, um, yeah. specifically for me as it relates to exercise, because that's what I know I need to be healthy. And then I got into this negative belief system of I yeah. shouldn't be spending time away from my kids. I should be spending all this time with them because I'm their mom and I should be able to take care of them all the time. But then the only way to battle it and to come out of it was to say that, no, my belief system is that I need to be a healthy, happy version of myself in order to take care of my family and show up as the best possible mom and the best possible wife because otherwise I'm a grumpy miserable human being that's right and I just did it and it's 
faded and also changes with the seasons of parenting as well. I yes, yes. They get older, they get a little less needy. You start to see that, oh, they get their needs met, okay? They know how to ask and oftentimes they know how to get it. <laughs> and you have a little bit more time, right, and energy. You're probably sleeping more. And so what we talked about earlier about sleep deprivation, it's not, you know, clouding or fogging your mind as much. So you have a little bit more clarity about your thoughts and your values by now. And so, yeah, that, that forward movement, like there's so much research about when we do things in spite of what we're facing, our fears, our obstacles, the things that stress us, when we're able to keep moving step by step, the mountain that we felt like was so huge actually ends up being a molehill. Like it actually ends up being something that we can conquer. Then we can, if we can't step over it, like it's a molehill, maybe we can go through it. And it's not this dark, cold tunnel like we thought or imagined it would be. Maybe it's just a little uncomfortable to, ski, to squeeze through, but we still can get through it. But we'll never know that, right? Unless we move, unless we do it. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I could talk to you about this all day because everything <laughs> you've said has been inspired, so inspiring and eye-opening. Is there anything else um, before we wrap up that you wanna share with the audience? Yeah, I mean, I just, if you're a mom and you're listening to this and you are in a season of your life where self-care seems like this impossible goal, where it seems like it's only reserved for this elite group of moms, right? It's only reserved for people who have worked hard at it. I just want you to know that self-care is not something that you earn you already are worthy of taking care of yourself. You're already worthy of pouring into yourself. And when you do so, everything that you're connected to, your children, your relationship with your partner, your job, the work that you do inside the home, everything is so much more alive because you are alive. And so I encourage you, whatever self-care looks like for you, whether you're in the basic side of the spectrum, the leisure side of the spectrum, or the luxury side of the spectrum, hey mama, you can take care of yourself with no shame or no guilt. And even if you, even if it comes up, remember that it doesn't have to be true and you can move through that. And so that's just my encouragement. Take care of yourself because you're worth it. You're absolutely worth it. Oh my goodness. Um if people want to find you or check out any of your courses or programs, where can people find you? Yeah, so I am always on Instagram, handing out lots of helpful and supportive information um, throughout the week. And that is momfully.u over on Instagram. I'm also on YouTube, <laughs> um, sharing the same kind of um, helpful tips. Again, momfully.u. I also have a podcast <laughs> where you can hear the same type of information and you guessed it, Momfully You. Um, if you are wanting to have a deeper understanding of yourself and have a deeper understanding of connecting with your values, reclaiming your identity and really learning how to love yourself, I would be happy for you to join me over at Momfully You Academy. And you can do that by going to my website, momfullyyou.com slash join, and I will see you there. Amazing. I just thank you so much for doing this. I, I, I love your perspective. It's so practical. 
but also so helpful, but also um, soothing and achievable all at the same time. So I just appreciate you taking time out of the day to come chat with me. Absolutely, absolutely a pleasure.